0: Well, welcome to In the Kitchen, and uh, we're here, Jeff Lilly, and actually I should have you guys introduce yourselves. I'm Christina Marandola. Dan Crane. And we're just simply going to take a look at the passage that we're going to be teaching this Sunday, and uh, going through it with just uh, some of our first thoughts and uh, ideas and insights of what we see, and, and again, encourage you to study the passage ahead of time, and even come in prepared for Sunday. It is James 5, 7 to 12, and so without any further ado, we'll jump right into the passage. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged behold the judge is standing at the door as an example of suffering and patience brothers take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord behold we consider those blessed who remain steadfast you have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord how the Lord is compassionate and merciful but above all my brothers do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath But let your yes be yes, and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. And that's at James 5, 7 to 12. So, pretty short passage compared to some of the ones we've been going through that have had a lot of verses. That one's uh, just a few verses, but feels like there's a lot in there. It's
1: a powerful passage.
0: Yeah. Any first thoughts when you read it that it just jumps out at you?
2: I mean... To be honest, my first thought is that it feels like disconnected points that are trying to communicate one thing, but it's like I have to Mm -hmm. stop and think about each thing, you know, like being patient, waiting for the Lord. Then that whole part about God being the judge standing at the door, then, you know, looking at the prophets, then swearing. It's like, how do these fit together? What is James trying to teach us through these few short verses? But, yeah.
1: And did you figure it out?
2: Mm,
1: No. (laughs) We are so looking forward to hearing from you, Jeff, because context is everything. And so this is very unique in the context it's written in. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, one of the things that we'll do, and and hopefully even as we begin to discuss this a little bit, is to recognize that he does three examples right away. Mm -hmm. So he takes the farmer, he takes the prophets, and he takes Job. Mm -hmm. And so when we start to build what is this passage saying, we're going to be looking at those three and say all right what are we hearing about the prophet or about the farmer what are we hearing about the prophets what what are we hearing about job and what do those have in common what what ties those three together because it begins to reveal a bit more about the passage so maybe we start there be patient obviously um when you take a passage like this i um, we we talked earlier about in the kitchen about how you can have other resources and how we prepare for messages mm-hmm. and that one of the things that that i finish with is i'll listen to other people teach on the passage after i've pretty much written the talk just to see if if they're going yep that's not at all what it means mm-hmm. and i'm like oh that's a bad note mm-hmm. you know that kind of a thing well in this one oftentimes if you look up sermons on james mm-hmm. 5 7 through 12 it's always going to be be patient be patient be mm-hmm. patient that people are gonna talk about patience. And and I think as we look at this, we'll find that that is part of it, but there's more there. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the farmer, though, for a second, because that's the very first one, is uh, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and late
2: rains. Any
0: mm-hmm.
2: any big thoughts? Have you, you guys ever done any farming? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I was thinking, is I I can't even fathom how patient farmers have to be because even when I try to plant things and watch them grow, I'm like, okay, let's speed this up here. You know, like I really don't have a lot of patience with stuff like that. And so I, I, don't, I can't even really grasp that illustration, what that means, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's one of hope because you, it looks impossible when you put the little seed or the little plant into the ground. It doesn't look like it's going to do anything. But if you wait, eventually it will happen. They do grow, always. That's just a wonderful truth. But what's the late and early rains about, Jeff?
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> it, right? Well, so in Seattle, that just means morning and afternoon, <laughs> the late and early rains. But uh, here I think it's different. Um, this is literally a phrase that shows up in Scripture multiple times, and typically it's God who's saying it. Mm. So it's an interesting phrase, and obviously... I think that we don't have to be farmers to understand this. If you have an idea in your mind that the early rains typically come in fall, late fall, and then the late rains are, you know, you might get an April, maybe even a May, and sometimes even a June rain that you look at and go, those are the late rains. And then for a farmer, those rains matter. There's a point when you plant and things can start growing because you're dependent on the rain. And there's a point in time when the rains stop and then you get ready for harvest. So that's all tied to it. Um, One of the things, and and on Sunday, um, you probably have to come to hear the the whole thing, but uh, I will give you the passage that is just really fun on this one. But it is Deuteronomy 11, and um, it's just an interesting idea there. But in verse 14, it says, um, I'm going to start with 13. "And, And if you will indeed obey my commandments that I command you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul... He will give the rain for your land in its season, mm-hmm. the early rain and the later rain that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. Mm-hmm. Now, what it's pointing towards is that God does the rain. Yeah. What's more powerful about this passage is actually a couple of verses ahead of it. And this is going up to verse 10. And this was an aha moment for me mm-hmm. um, that as I was studying this. And verse 10, for the land that you are entering to take possession of it is not like the land of Egypt, from which you've come where you sowed your seed and irrigated it like a garden of vegetables but the land that you're going over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water by the rain from heaven a land that the lord your god cares for mm-hmm. the eyes of the lord your god are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year and if you, if you don't follow that the concept is here they are living in egypt and it's the Nile River Delta, its water is everywhere. Land is fertile. The soils from Africa have come down and it's fertile. It's wet. You just you, you don't have to depend on anything. You just go plant it and it grows. And the Lord stops and says, I'm going to take you out of Egypt. We're going to go up into the hill country in Israel and that's going to be the land. And you're going to have to wait for me. You're going to have to wait for the rains that I will bring, the rains from heaven that I bring you. So this is the very first one. God's setting out the tone here. James is setting out the tone. He's saying right off the bat, this isn't just a farmer waiting for the rain. Mm -hmm. Patience. Yes, that's true. But it's more the idea that God would take us out of something that's very comfortable and easy. And he takes us into a place of dependence Mm -hmm. and puts us there where we need to rely on him. Mm -hmm. And that's how he starts his
2: passage. That's cool. I like that too because I was thinking, I was trying to think about how this passage connects to the one that we studied last week and I was thinking that the three things that we walked through last week, you know, not judging our neighbors and trusting God to be Mm -hmm. the judge and trusting God with our plans, trusting God with our money, that all of that is uncomfortable and it's all, it all requires like perspective in who God is and this passage talking about waiting for the coming of the lord is like a reminder that we are looking to something beyond just this life that we're living in right now mm-hmm. um and so we have to look to him to like remember those things to even be able to live out the things that we were just encouraged to do last week you know so and it is uncomfortable for it sure because it requires dying to ourselves and dying to the things that we want to hold on to but it's better but it's hard to have that perspective that it's better right away you know yeah well that whole
0: passage um that Zach talked about that idea of the you know Who says you're going to go into such and such a city? You know, we have our designs. We have our plans. And he he joked about it. You know, you buy a 2020 planner in 2020 and it's a waste, you know, because you don't know where things are going to go. But the will, you know, instead, we should say, if the Lord wills, that that puts us in a point in time that Jesus even said that in the garden, right? Not my will, but thine be done. That puts us in a completely different position. I want to do this. God is saying... No, I, I think you
1: should do that.
2: Yeah.
1: So it's belief in the unseen, yeah. because we know the plants will come up, we but we don't see it. We know God is faithful. We know God That's has good. a plan, but we don't see it now. But we can have that hope. We can be patient.
0: That's like wait, Elijah waiting for the cloud in yeah. the distance, and yes. you're like, oh, it's gonna rain, and it's like, you know, just wait, wait, <laughs> just wait. That's hard.
2: Yeah. Well, and again, it's just I don't know. This is. Such a timely book for us right now too. Mm -hmm. Even for for me, just like be reminded that we don't see how God is moving, but He is moving, you know, and especially in such a challenging year, to be able to be reminded of that and to trust God. And again to be reminded to look to the coming of the Lord where He will redeem and restore everything, like that's what we look towards, you know. So it's timely. Do you guys do that? You wait for wait upon the Lord, like that He's coming again? Oh man. I
1: wish I did it more. It's tough. Tough to be patient.
2: Yeah.
0: Other thoughts? And we can skip the farmer now. Mm -hmm. That's probably enough for him for now. But you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Mm -hmm.
1: God is true to his promises. And we can see that throughout the whole history. And even as they sit there now, and it's persecution, they're dispersed abroad, they're again on the run. God's people are on the run. He just does that throughout history so that they're dependent on Him. Even so we can, okay, be patient. God is at work. He's doing something that's wonderful, although we don't feel it and see it now.
2: Mm
0: I think the perspective, and Christina, you just mentioned it about the perspectives that we have, especially with this one um, in verse eight. Mm-hmm. You also be patient, establish your hearts um, for the coming of the Lord, and that's that's a word that means to strengthen or set to mm-hmm. fix your hearts. Um, the um, probably the most interesting use of that word is in Luke when when Jesus sets his. Face towards Jerusalem Mm. with this conviction of this is where I'm going I'm going to the city for the work that the Lord has me to do there but he uses that word and the word is the same Greek word here so when we talk about establishing our hearts it's that idea of setting our heart and having this mindset that I'm gonna fix myself for this just as Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem with Mm. that steadfastness so it's a it's a great perspective there but um, but for the coming of the Lord is at hand that we should establish that because the Lord's near
2: yeah yeah it's so that's such a good reminder too I I think probably different churches are different in this regard or different kind of sub-Christian cultures how much they talk about the coming of Christ again but for me that feels like an idea that I don't think about a lot that I need to think about a lot you know like it's not always in front of my eyes and it needs to be like it's it's so important so i like this passage as that kind of awakening and reminder Mm -hmm. that this is happening for sure you know and we need to look towards it
0: so there's a there's a lot more in here that do not grumble against one another um, so that you may not be judged behold Mm -hmm. the judge is standing at the door And uh, I saw this when I first read it as the concept that Jesus is about to come through the door. So Mm. this idea of waiting for the coming of the Lord is that question. And um, James, when he Mm. writes this, again, brother of Jesus, Mm. he has grown up with Jesus. He's seen Jesus. He's watched Jesus ascend. And now he's literally waiting Mm. in his lifetime for Jesus to come back. Mm We're now 2,000 years later, we're a little more uh, skeptical, right, mm-hmm. that he's going to come back in our lifetime mm-hmm. because he didn't come back in my parents' lifetime. He didn't come back in my grandparents' mm-hmm. lifetime. There's a chance, good chance, he's not going to come back in mine. So I actually stopped waiting. I'm mm-hmm. not looking for it with that same anxiety or that, that same anticipation. Anxiety is the wrong word there. Yeah. I think if I wasn't saved, it might be anxiety. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But the the other one, and a, just a fun turn on this, is that the reason why we shouldn't be uh, um, grumbling against others because we'd be judged and the judge is standing at the door. What I love about this picture is it's that Jesus is right there. Yes. He's at the door. So um, I'll tell this story on Sunday, but it's... Uh, it's the time when you're watching your kids or your grandkids. And I do this with my grandkids all the time. We'll put them to bed. And they're all, I usually get them all worked up before I put them to bed. <laughs> but then we get them to bed. And then they're just supposed to be quiet and go to sleep. Well, they don't want to go to sleep. So they keep talking. And so I will put them in their beds, go out in the hallway, close the door. And then I'll just sit right there and wait. Because I know they're going to talk. I know they're going to giggle. I know they're going to mess around. And so as soon as I hear them start to get out of bed or start to talk, I'm going, Get back in bed. And they're looking around like, how does he know? You know, so they start to whisper. And I said, no talking, you know, and you go that route. And they're like, how does he know? But it's because the, the judge is at the door. And when I read that with that perspective, what it's saying is Jesus hasn't fully left us. He's not gone. So that judge is right at the door. And the really cool thing about that is that he's there. And we might look at it as judging, but it's also to guard it's to protect. It's to be near. It's to care for us. That he's right outside the door. He knows everything we're going through. He's he's intimately involved in our life. And so I I love that line. That it's it's in that case the the logic is is that he's right at the door. He's right there with you. Mm-hmm. So it's that's a fun cool
2: idea. too because I think that connects to the latter part of this portion talking about the prophets and suffering and God's compassion and His mercy and yeah. Let's go there. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: That's, that's <laughs> such a great picture, Jeff, because as much as you love your grandchildren and you're there for them and you're you're watching and protecting, God even much more yeah. loves us and mm-hmm. is there and watching. That's a great comfort. Yeah. That's cool. All right, the
2: prophets. Prophets. <laughs>
0: Thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, the first time we read this a few weeks ago and talked about it, I stopped and said, when it talks about Job, well, I'll just read, I'll read the passage. It says, behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. This is verse 11. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And when we first read that, I stopped and said, I actually laughed out loud when I read that because the the like posture in my heart was Job and God being compassionate and merciful don't immediately equal like each other yeah. in my head. They feel like, poor Job, he just went through just years of trauma and suffering and loss. And obviously, we see God be so faithful to him personally and also just even in blessing his physical life at the end of that story. But it's such a challenging story that it feels like, what? God, compassionate and merciful and Job's suffering, you know, like it's hard to wrap your head around that. So there's a lot there, I think, for me that I'm even unpacking. And How have you resolved it? <laughs> well, I don't know that I would say I've resolved it other than I think it's forced me to consider God's wisdom, the way that God sees life. I mean, mm. Dane even said, I can't remember if it was before or during when we started mm-hmm. filming, but that God sees life differently than we do. Mm, And if we know that God is good and that God loves us, that all the things we experience in life, that God redeems them for good and teaches us about himself through them, you know? And so we can trust him and trust his compassion and his mercy upon us, even in times of suffering, because he's still working and he's still near, like you were saying, but I don't know. There's, it's challenging, you know, what do you guys think? Well, the model
1: is to know God, that he is faithful, he is compassionate, he is merciful. And then on the other hand, we're just supposed to be steadfast. And Job was steadfast. The prophets were steadfast. They were resolute. Their eyes were fixed, as you said. They knew the direction they were going. And that's that call to us not to waver, even though we don't experience the compassion and mercy that we would like or that we feel we deserve. God is still there and we're just to be steadfast and hang on. Yeah. That's
0: a good word. It's a hard word though, a hard right? word. I'm with Christina that when I first read this, I just looked at it and went, this is out of place. This does not belong here. Mm-hmm. there are lots of examples where God is compassionate and merciful. Job is not the example I mm-hmm. would pick until you step back. Mm-hmm. And as you step back, you realize that I often hear people talk about, well, Job's example of what happened to Job and that God was trying to teach Job something and this was it. And and what I love about it is a little phrase in here that it's uh, um, in 11, you have heard of the steadfastness of Job. The, The fact of the matter is I have we all have mm. that everybody has i was just talking to a, a young man on the phone uh, a while back who was wrestling with his faith uh, last week and we were having these conversations and because i'd studied this it was fresh in my mind but i said well you know it's like with job he knew he knew who job was and he was a guy that wasn't necessarily a bible <laughs> scholar or anybody else yeah. but if you were to go out on the street you would say who's heard of job And the hands would go up because we've all not only heard the story, we've taken solace from the story of that God's in control of this moment and that that compassion and that mercy Mm. may or may not have been meant for Job. Mm. That line is meant for us. Mm. That line is speaking of the character of God and the fact that he took Job through some of these challenges so that we would have the illustration how God is faithful even through that. And you could obviously spend a whole lot on the book of Job, but that's, for me, is that understanding of just that line. It's like, um, you've heard of Job. And it's like, yeah, actually I have. Yeah. And it's like... If he was like, say, 2000 BC, now we're looking at 4,000 years later, we all know him on a first name basis. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We know the story of Job, and God took Job through that so that when we go through difficult times, there's an illustration of how God is working through us. He's not promising just this perfect path, but he's actually saying there's going to be difficult times. That compassion and mercy is for us. And he took Job through it. So in essence, Job paid that price for for us Mm -hmm. to be able to have that story. Mm -hmm. So it's a good one. Last one, because we're just about out of time. Um, But that very last verse, But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation.
1: So why does he say, but above all? Above all. Isn't that the kicker?
0: (laughs) It feels so strange. (laughs) You have all these powerful ideas, and then bam. Don't swear.
2: Yeah. That's it.
0: Yeah. And some people swear like crazy, and some people don't swear at all. Is that what he's talking about?
2: Well... Why don't you enlighten us? You want me to pass? Is that what you're asking me to do? I don't swear
0: Eugenie does. That's yeah. the way that goes. Oh, we have Eugene. a designated share in We're our We're in trouble. We're <laughs> swearing in our family. Um,
2: no, that's not true. Um, what do you guys do with that passage? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I don't know what to do with this passage. Mm-hmm. And also why it's here. It's, it feels so random.
1: It feels random, but I know it's connected uh-huh. to other passages of Scripture
2: and
0: you're just waiting for some answer <laughs> <laughs> I'm sending to <out> Jeff. <laughs> we'll come to church on Sunday and um but of all of all my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or... I'm like you guys. The, the above all was the like, what? Mm-hmm. One, not only does it feel out of place, but then to take the verse that's out of place and stick it and say, all that we've just talked about, being steadfast through difficult times, thinking about the coming of the Lord. You have the prophets. You have Job. You have all this deep, rich stuff. Mm-hmm. And it says, yeah, but better than that, above that, mm-hmm. is do not swear. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, this doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. And so I was stuck there for a while and wrestled until... I finally realized, and we've alluded to it, Darren's alluded to it, Zach alluded to it, that this passage, is well, James, is tied closely to the Sermon on the Mount. That, that sermon had a big impact on James, and so he has these references and ties to it. So if you go to James, or, uh, Matthew 5, mm-hmm. 6 actually, um, in Matthew 6, uh, it is 5, it's the last part of 5, um, verses 33 to 37, it's where James is quoting mm-hmm. from. And uh, verse 33, again, you have heard that it is said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. So this swearing isn't cussing. Um, It's the idea that you swear on a stack of Bibles. Mm -hmm. You know, I swear I never took that, you know, that kind of a thing. It's that idea of of swearing. It's swearing an oath. Um, You shall not swear falsely, Mm -hmm. but shall perform to the Lord what you have um, sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool. Does that sound familiar? Um, And then in verse 36, And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. So here's our yes or no again. Mm -hmm. So he's got that not by heaven, um, not by earth, and then no, yes, just Mm -hmm. the yes or no. What James leaves out is the part that kind of links this all together, But it's the concept that passes in this little story, and it's in verse 36. And verse 36 says, And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. The reason why you don't swear by heaven or earth... Is because you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. So you promise, "I'm going to do this," and it's like you can't. Well, James has just said that. Don't say you're going to go into such and such a city. Mm-hmm. Say the Lord, if the Lord wills, this is going to happen. And he's saying, "Don't swear by heaven. Don't swear by earth, because you cannot even change your hair color." Now, there's some women out there that mm-hmm. might say, "Well, yeah, I can." And I don't, you know, obviously they can't. They they may dye their hair, but they're not changing the actual hair color. We're not going to get into that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But the last part, too, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. That center part is you cannot. And mm-hmm. when you take that concept that you do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Dan, did you choose your your sex, mm-hmm. male or female? Did you decide to be a man? Didn't choose my gender. Christina? Mm-hmm. Did you choose the country you'd be born in? I didn't. No. No did you choose how tall you'll be
1: can't add a cubit to my, my yeah, height.
0: so we can go down everything about us we didn't choose yeah. we can't do that. He does that, and so when you put that part in there, you don't don't take an oath for you cannot make one hair mm. white or black that the, the two words right there you cannot mm. and then as we go back to James and you start looking at it, look at the the farmer, example number one. Mm. He's looking to the skies and he's dependent on the Lord because he knows he cannot yeah. he can't make the rain. When we look at the prophets, they give the words they were given, mm-hmm. but they cannot make them happen. They can't make them happen sooner. They have to wait and go through it. And even with Job, I mean, it, it is heaven with Satan and God mm-hmm. up there having the conversation. So in the end, this passage above all is the idea that you cannot actually control this. This is about dependence on the Lord. Establish your hearts, lean into him, realizing you cannot, but he can, he does. And he will. Mm-hmm. That's it. We're already out of time. Um, hopefully you uh, have some time left over to really spend time in this word and, and dig a little deeper. There's a lot we did not talk mm-hmm. about. So uh, some fun stuff that hopefully the Lord will reveal to you. Well, thanks for joining us again and uh, hope you have a great week. That was great.